Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at celebrationchurchlive.com. Amen. Uh, Well, we have been cruising through uh, some of the Old Testament stories, and we've just kind of packaged it in a series um, that we're actually doing the volume two of, just called The Classics, and just looking at some of the classic stories. If you grew up in church, if you grew up around this, then you heard a bunch of these stories in Sunday school and in kids' church and in that kind of stuff. Um, if, uh, if you grew up in church, if you're new to church, uh, well, these are your stories and you didn't e- maybe even know them. And so we've been going through these and, uh, last summer we did this and we're able to, to cover a number of them. And so we're in volume two this year. If you missed any of them, they're on our podcast, both current series and previous series, and you'll be able to do that. So if you grabbed one of the bulletins that may be sitting around you on a chair, no contact, everything's just kind of already provided. Um, or if you're tracking along with the Bible app, you we can cruise together with this. And today we're going to be looking at a man named Gideon, and we find Gideon in the book of Judges. Um, and so uh, today we're just going to look at this concept. We've been jumping on it over and over again. That the, the life of today, Gideon, shows us what it means to know God better and to trust him more. And we've been starting with Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, looking at it from this idea that there's what it says. There's this great cloud of witnesses who has gone before us and help us to run the race that's set out for us. And, of course, Hebrews chapter 12 amazingly follows Hebrews chapter 11, and Hebrews chapter 11 covers a bunch of these Old Testament stories and just gives us the highlight. And today I want us to actually go back to Hebrews chapter 11, and let's look at verse 32. In verse 32 it says, and what more shall I say? Of course we're 32 verses into chapter 11. He's just laid out a, you know 31 verses of all of these people who've lived by faith and all these things. And he's like, I could just keep on going. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, who we're gonna talk about today. Barak, Samson, Japheth, David, Samuel, and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, talked about that um, before, uh, quenched the fury of the flames, escaped the edge of the sword. And today with Gideon, I want us to grab a hold of this because the writer of Hebrews wanted this particular idea to be pointed out. He's sitting there and he's wrapping everything up. He's like, I don't have time to tell. And then he kind of gets into some extra detail. This is kind of some important stuff for us. He said, whose weakness was turned to strength and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. He wanted us to understand that weaknesses can be turned into strength. They can be turned into strength. Most people, we don't, we don't like our weaknesses. We, we hate them, we despise them, we cover them. We, we look for any filter on Instagram or anything to cover up our weaknesses. We don't like our weaknesses. But the truth is, is if we're going to give our whole lives to God, we're going to let God work in the fullness of our lives. We have to let him work in the places where we don't feel 
as strong, where we don't feel like we can really have something to offer. And so as we move forward into this, that we have to understand that our weaknesses can be turned into strength. And a lot of times if we don't watch it, we will try to do this on our own. We'll try to figure out a way. We feel like something's gone against us, something's not worked in our advantage, something, and especially us as as church people, as people who are pursuing God, as people who have a relationship with God and desiring that, we'll even try to sometimes use spiritual means to try to accomplish this goal, that we will see some deficit in our lives. Things aren't going the way we wanted it to go. We felt taken advantage of or whatever. And then we'll try to, to use our relationship with God. We'll try to use the scriptures. And even if we've got to reach out and try to force it on our own. Um, years ago, Weston um, was a little guy there at the, at the house. And somebody, um, I don't remember who it was, probably Keenan. But um, if somebody uh, turned the light out on Weston um, whenever he was in a room, whenever he was in a space, and it irritated him. He was still in there, still using that space, still needed the light, and somebody turned the light out on him and whoop, left. And uh, so I got, uh, I got home from work, and he comes up to me. He's about four years old. He tells me, um, I made up a scripture today, and I was like, "Okay, all right, uh, this is this is not good. We don't just make up scriptures." Um, but I'm curious: is okay, this guy that we've got all this wonderful scripture laid up. What does this four year old feel like needs to be added to the Bible? Is we're going to have Weston one one? What is Weston one one going to say? And so he says, I made up a scripture today. Uh, don't turn out the light on somebody while they're in there. <laughs> and so that was, his, that was his scripture. He decided he had a problem. Somebody mistreated him. And, he, man, he was going to have some spiritual, some spiritual answer to this. It was just going to be his own version of the scriptures. He's going to add a little bit to it. Well, little did he realize the, wor- the word had already been spoken to cover that. Jesus had already spoken in, in Matthew 7 verse 11. This is um, that whatever you would like others to do to you, you do also to them. Um, if you don't want people to turn the light out on, uh, be considerate. Um, he didn't realize Jesus had already spoken. Jesus had already had it covered. And folks, this is why you and I need to spend time in the scriptures because there are times that we will look at our own weaknesses and not realize that it's already been taken care of. We'll try to go out on our own to try to handle it. We'll try to even find some spiritual answer for it, fabricate something to cover something that God's already handled, that he's already covered it. And we need to make sure of that. There's no issue in your life that God doesn't already have an answer for, that he hadn't already provided for. There's none of them. The ones that you're the most embarrassed of, the ones you're wanting to avoid, the ones you're wanting to keep hidden from everybody, he's already got an answer and already has a supply there. Already. And we need to recognize that. And there are these places in our lives where our weaknesses, we just like, I just don't even know what to do with this. And here we catch up with a man in Judges chapter 6. Now, Judges is an interesting book. 
and it talks about the judges. And the judges are a period, if you're, if you're new to, to, to the scriptures, you're new to Christianity, um, the judges are a period of time when the, the, the Israelites had not had a king yet, and they were ruled by a person who got just kind of risen up as a judge. It wasn't a family lineage like the kingly lineages were. And so somebody would raise up. And guess what? There were female judges. There was a woman named Deborah who was a judge and ruled over the people of Israel. And so people tend to think that the Bible was, is an oppressive book to women. It is not. It is a liberating book to him. It sees the, that they're made in the image of God and used in key leadership roles throughout Scripture, well ahead of its time. We see that it's not oppressive. But here during this time period, there was the, the people of God had just kind of dispersed. They, they were being oppressed by this group of people called the Midianites, and there was no leader in the land. And God was going to raise up a new judge, a new somebody who was going to rule and kind of bring some guidance and some vision. And so there's this guy named Gideon. And Gideon is just a regular old guy. There's nothing that sets him apart. And that's what we're going to see, that he has a beef with it. He has a problem with the fact that he doesn't feel special. He doesn't feel qualified. And the, the Midianites were ruling and, and the, they were just, the Israelites were just trying to eke out a living so they would grow some crops. And right about the time that the, it was time to harvest them, the Midianites would come in and they would steal their crops. And so Gideon had gathered together his wheat, gathered together his crops. And normally what you would do is you would go up on a hilltop and you would, and you would sift the wheat and get the chaffs because you wanted a nice breeze. So you'd throw the wheat up in the air and the chaff, which was the light hull on it, the wind would carry that away and the heavier kernel would fall back down and then they would have that separated. And he, you would do that. And you'd need to be up on a hilltop. You need to be up on a, in, a, in an open place where there's a good breeze. But Gideon was so afraid and he was so afraid of losing his grain and so afraid of being seen that Gideon is doing this job in, a, in the exactly wrong place. He's in a wine press. He's down in a low place. He's hidden from cover, and he is sifting grain down in this wine press, choking on the chaff, choking on the stuff in his life that should be letting the wind of the Spirit blow away. And he's just sitting there trying to hide it from everybody. And he's choking on all his own little stuff that the spirit should be able to handle. Just trying to preserve his own life. And in this moment where he is sitting there sifting this wheat in this wine press, we have this angelic visitation just so we understand what's happening. It says, and the angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abizrite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. And when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Here's a guy scared out of his mind, sifting wheat. He's not practicing his nunchuck skills. He's not getting ready to go out and doing his rocky routine, getting, doing his stuff, getting ready to fight. He is just trying to put dinner 
on the table. He doesn't look like a warrior. He doesn't look like a mighty warrior. And here the Spirit of the Lord immediately begins to speak destiny and calling into his life in a situation that doesn't look like that at all. He doesn't look like a mighty warrior in any shape, form, or fashion. And here the, the, the Lord begins to speak. And, uh, but sir, Gideon replied, let's not but sir when God begins to speak destiny and, and calling over our lives. Let's just let him speak. But Gideon opens his mouth, and it's okay that God works with, with where Gideon's at. It says, but sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? If the Lord is with us, why? 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 Why has all this happened to us? If the Lord is with us, then, then why is the, the virus resurging? If the Lord is with us, then why is this happening? Why is that happening? Here's the thing is, folks, we live in a fallen world. We live in a world that there's still sickness and disease and destruction. We are wired for heaven and we long for heaven. We're built for heaven. We're built for, for living in the presence of God. And that's why we feel such this point of disparity between what the, the pain and the suffering and the stuff that we see and, and feel this injustice because it's not just. We're not built for it. We're wired for something else. But guess what? Our willfulness and sin has brought with it all of the consequences. And we still, we're still here and it's still in that place. And folks, we've got a covenant that allows us to live and have a heaven focus and begin to live a blessed life even in the middle of all this. But guess what? There'll still be in our world, there'll still be these points of chaos and there'll still be these different things. And when God begins to speak, we can't let the brokenness of the situation around us distract us from the good things God wants to do in our lives. And getting so focused on the brokenness of things around him, he is missing having an angelic conversation about God's plan for his life. How many times have we quieted and pushed out the voice of God wanting to carry us someplace new when we're griping about where we've been or where we are? Let's let God speak life into us. Why has all this happened to us? Where are all the wonders that our father has told us about? Our fathers had told us about. They said, "Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now, the Lord has abandoned us and put us into the hand of Midian." He's having a conversation, saying, "We're abandoned," when this angel of the Lord is right there. We're abandoned. We're all alone. But yet there's somebody right there. It begins to exaggerate. It'll begin to exaggerate things and begin to see, not allow us to see. Focusing on the brokenness will make us miss God's presence right there with us. He's talking about being abandoned when there's a presence right there with him. And that... <clears throat> And the Lord turned to him and said, 
Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? I think it's interesting to notice um, that those initial questions, um, they don't get answered. He doesn't sit there and have a lot of stuff threshing out all of Gideon's concerns. It's that you go in the strength you have. You go in the strength you have. Am I not the one who's sending you? Oh, but Lord, Gideon asked, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. I am the least of the least. You got the wrong person. You're in the wrong place. This is the wrong conversation. He just keeps downplaying it. And then the Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites together. He doesn't address his lineage. He doesn't address any of that. He doesn't address the fact that he is so focused on that other side. He just keeps speaking forward, forward, forward. You're a mighty warrior. Go in the strength you have. And I'm with you, and this is what is going to happen. He just keeps staying focused forward. So many times we get wrapped up in all these different things, and we will butt God to death. We will just begin to kill. And thankfully, Gideon finally just decided to move forward. And it took a lot of prompting. It took a lot of prompting. And more than likely, Gideon gets chosen because he was probably the most willing out of all of the Israelites to move forward. There was obviously nothing special about Gideon that set him apart. But God's just looking for a willing vessel, and Gideon happened to be the most willing vessel at the moment. God's just looking for somebody to say yes, and this is the most reluctant yes you'll find in the Scriptures. He just barely moves forward. But he's so focused on his weakness, his personal weakness, his family's weakness, the brokenness of the situation around him. And folks, we will never be able to move forward and see all that God has for our lives if we stay focused. If we stay focused on the brokenness of the situation around us if we've spoken on the why did this happen, and if we stay focused on the issues of, uh, that we feel like got handed down to us, well, my family, my media, my clan, all of these different things, the, all of these different issues. 1 Corinthians 1.25 says, For the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. Brothers, Think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many of you were influential. Not many of you were of notable birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise and chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the low things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. See, here's the thing is we have an idea in our mind of, of what being used by God and ministering to God should look like. 
It should be framed this way. It should be on this scale. It should be on this kind of stage. It should have this kind of lights and these kind of cameras aimed at it. It it should be doing these different big things. But guess what? God loves to use these little moments to make massive, massive changes. Never discount just simply loving people and being kind. You're like, how am I making a difference in the world? Well, guess what? Guess what? You can be. We did a series called Love Bucket before, and we looked at this place where, where we see what happens to the least honestly matters the most. And here in Matthew 25, verse 37, says, and then the righteous will answer. These are the ones who, who did things right and got commended, got commended by the Lord. It's, and the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? I don't remember that. I'd remember feeding you. I'd remember you being hungry. I, I, I didn't ever do that for you, Lord. Or thirsty and give you something to drink. When did we see you, a stranger, and invite you in or needing clothes and close you. When did we see you sick or in prison and, and go to visit you? And the king will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least, these brothers of mine, you did for me. This moment, this thing that you thought was inconsequential, they did it. They fed people, they clothed people. They went and visited. They, they were doing it. They just said, well, I didn't know. I don't remember doing it for you. He's like, every time you did it was for me. Every time you did it, you did it to me. We tend to think of these, the, we want these great big moments of ministry. We're, we're not significant enough to be able to do those things. So we'll just go around doing our regular things and Folks, the regular, real acts of love are the stuff where we're ministering to Jesus himself. Those are the moments. Folks, we can, we, can, we can take this mindset and we can minimize ourselves and we can minimize our moments of ministry and we can minimize anything if we're not trained and let, letting God see. We can take these places and God wants to turn what we think is weak and insignificant and turn them into these huge moments of strength. See, when we trust God to use us in our place of weakness, then he's the one who gets the credit. A lot of times we want to lean on our strengths because then we feel good. We feel good about our strengths. We feel good about it. I can bring this. I can do this thing. This is my skill. This is my quality. And then when it's all said and done, we feel like if nothing else, we can at least share in the glory a little bit. But God so many times wants to use those things that just, they're not our strengths. Because when it's all said and done, we're like, man, God, that was, that was you. That was you. As we get down in the story of Gideon to uh, Gideon chapter 7, verse 2, it's now time for him to, to rally together these people and do this assignment that he's called to do. He's already gone back and forth. He's had multiple conversations with God. He's put these fleeces out to see 
okay, if it's dry here and wet there and wet here and dry there, and he's finally got it down. Okay, God, you really did choose me. So now he's going to go forward. In verse 2, it says, And the Lord said to Gideon, because um, he, he, he called the people of Israel together, Come on, let's do this. And guess what? People showed up. He thought he wasn't any kind of a leader. And guess what? People showed up. And, and the Lord said to Gideon, uh, You have too many men. Uh, for me to deliver Midian into their, <clears throat> into their hands in order that Israel may not boast against me that her own strength has saved her. That so many people have rallied to Gideon that now it's to the point that they're going to take the credit. He's like, nope, they need to understand that I'm the one who's fixing this. They're the ones, who they, they need to understand this. So, so we need to get rid of everybody who's not really here. He says, so announce to the people, anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000 men left while 10,000 remain. Two-thirds of the people, two-thirds. They're like, anybody who's, a, who's, who's afraid here, um, you can go ahead and bolt. A lot of them said, bye, Felicia. See ya. I'm gone. I can say, I'm going home. I've got corn to plant. I've got stuff to do. I'm out. And 22 of them left, and they had an honorable exit from their military service. They were gone. Said, you can just go ahead and go. Left 10,000. Okay? So Gideon's like, okay, you know, I had 32,000 men here, 22,000 are gone. Um, you know, that's, that's, that puts us in a much softer position. And um, said, uh, but the Lord said to Gideon, there are still too many men. There's still too many. They're not going to volunteer. These guys, the, guys want to go to battle. These guys want to do this. They're ready to go in, but there's still too many. 10,000 still too many. They're going to take the credit if we go in and I use this as 10,000. They're going to feel like they're pretty awesome. So then he has a different way to figure out who's who. And he says, I want you to take them down to the water and I will sift them for you. If I say this one shall go with you, he shall go. And if I say this one shall not go with you, he will not go. So Gideon took the men down to the water, and there the Lord told him, Separate those who lap the water with their tongues like a dog from those who kneel down to drink. 300 men lapped with their hands to their mouths, and all the rest got down on their knees to drink. So here what you've got is you've got 10,000 men go down to the river to drink, okay? 9,700 of the men get down on their knees and then stick their face and just slurp the water up. 300 get down and pull it up and they are drinking it like that, which is weird. But here is the strategic difference. If you've got your face down in the river, can you see what's happening? Are you being able to protect anybody? Are you aware of your surroundings? This is awkward. 
but you can see and you can watch what's going on. There are those who are wired to be vigilant. There are those who are wired to always watch. Um, I'm thankful I have people in my life who are wired to always watch. I am not one of them. I would be the one saying, I'm thirsty, stick my face in the water. I know you got my six, buddy. And I'm slurping it, and God says, Brandon, go home. And so, but I've got people in my life, praise God, who are not wired that way. And I've got people here at our church that they would be part of the Gideon's 300, and they had to have been drinking this way. And I was like, man, you can get a lot more water if you stick your face down in here. They're like, I'm good. I'm good, Pastor. And it'd be just fine. And, and, um, but it's those, those that stayed vigilant, those that were watching, those that were alert to their surroundings. And there was only 300 of them. And God's like, okay, those are the ones that I want to be able to. And the Lord said to Gideon, with the 300 men that lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hands. Let all the other men go, each to his own place. And so there's 32,000 men show up for this no-name loser of a leader, Gideon, he thought. It's pretty cool to put out the thing to, hey, we're going we're gonna to finally stand up to these guys and 32,000 come. 22,000 of them were scared out of their minds and showed up anyways. That's some pretty good rallying leadership potential there. And then he's like, God's like, nope, nope, nope. Gideon, I called you in a place of weakness. You've begun to work against that. So now I'm going to keep you in a place where it's obviously you're trusting in me. So now he has to go in with just Gideon and 300 guys and go in to battle. 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 5 says, When I came to you, brothers, I did not come with eloquence and superior wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing except <clears throat> nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness and fear and with much trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. That is where it has to rest. And that was where it had to rest for Israel. And the folks, that was where it had to rest for, for the Corinthian church. And that's where it has to rest for us. We have to trust in God's power. Not in man's ability to, to make decisions of do we meet or do we not meet? Do we wear masks or do we not wear masks? Do we do this or not? You know what? We're going to do the best we can on a human level, but we have to trust God in all that. And his power is the one that's going to protect us. And his power is the one that's going to lead us. We have to keep our eyes on him. 2 Corinthians 11 verse 30 says, If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weaknesses. And then as we wrap it up, that we understand this, that we can trust God in the places <coughs> we feel most vulnerable. Gideon ends up having this amazing victory with 300 guys, and he does it with uncommon weapons. He does it with torches and clay pots, and he attacks at night, and they blow trumpets, and a 
break their clay pots, and all of a sudden the Midianites see all of these torches show up all the way around them, all of these 300 trumpets blowing. They freak out, and they actually end up attacking themselves, and Midian takes care of itself. And Gideon and his 300 men come in, and there's, God gets a major victory there, and, and they actually didn't even have to have, get into the thick of the battle. There's this place where there was this incredible victory and it was completely different with torches and clay pots and trumpets and all this different stuff and, and brought this incredible, incredible victory. God's wisdom is way beyond man's wisdom. And God's, and when we give him our strength and we let be vulnerable, that's when the difference is made. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. It says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, and in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. In 15.9, says, for I'm the least of the apostles and not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. So here he was once a persecutor. Now he's the one who's declaring and getting persecuted and in it he delights. And he's like, what an amazing thing that I now get to be on the side of the persecuted. He had a different perspective. Philippians 4.12 says that, <clears throat> that here, I mean, sorry, 4.13. Here, he, Paul again is decreeing that he can do all things through Christ who gives him strength. In the middle of a place where we can feel vulnerable and weak, we need to remember this. This is our bottom line, that God produces the valuable in the vulnerable. He produces the valuable and the vulnerable. When we will bring him our points of weakness, when we will bring him the stuff that we don't feel like much can be done with, that is where he will begin to produce the valuable in our lives. That's where he will. And that's the point of faith. That's the point of trust. See, it's only the people you trust the most in your life that you'll be the truly vulnerable with. And living a life of faith, living a life of knowing God better and trusting Him more, that's where we let Him have those vulnerable spots in our lives. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.